welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. I am your solo host today, Jenny Scott, ISSA senior product developer, got a little promotion recently. Um, I have contributed to many of the courses that you guys know and love from ISSA. Super excited to be here. Um, Flying again solo, Dan the Mandarin is out today. Um, But I have an amazing guest, actually a good friend of Dan's, um, who I am super excited for you guys to learn more about to get to know more about myself. He is the founder of the Institute of Motion and Viper. So so those of you guys who have been in the fitness industry for a while, you may have heard of Viper exercise products, phenomenal products. I want to let him talk about them. Um, But I have Michelle Dahlcourt with us. Welcome, Michelle. Hey, Jenny. Thanks so much. Uh, Hey, congratulations on the promo, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, great to be here. So I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely. So I'm super excited to hear more about you and and have you share with our listeners. Tell us about yourself and how did you get into fitness and how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, well, it, it was probably a, a different route than most. I, I grew up, I think offline, we were talking about how shy I was in school. So I grew up yeah. as a shy kid and I grew up as a kid that wasn't athletic. And so I bet you if, if folks could see me now that we're in my grade three class, they'd be like, he does what for a living? Uh, because most of it is talking to, uh, you know, fitness professionals and other health professionals. Uh, and, uh, you know, a large degree of it is in that space of, of physicality, I'll say. Yeah. And so uh, that's kind of my start. And, and the, the, the way I got into this industry was more on the academic side, right? So I was never an athlete um, that parlayed a athletic career into a, a fitness or health career. It was really on trying to learn about the many mechanisms that make up our body and how they work. And so that led me to university studies and in my undergrad and graduate work in in Canada. Uh, And then I I worked with a guy named Richard Boyd, who started one of the first personal training websites uh, in the early 2000s for personal training. And that website was called PT on the net. And so, yeah, so he and I early years would travel around and, and talk to fitness professionals, mainly fitness professionals. Uh, about uh, fitness and programming and and science. And so that was my first introduction many years ago. And then since then, I formed the Institute of Motion and we're an applied health and human performance company. So we look at fitness and wellness. We look at healthcare and we look at performance through a lens, I think, Jenny, that we're going to talk about today. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely want to dig into Institute of Motion um, because that's something that I was actually recently introduced to. You guys gave me access to the online material for your course material. And I have been a trainer for 12 years and I've never seen exercise programming approached in such a, it's not even, it's not that it's simple, but such a it's a simplified way. Um, And when I first saw this, 
it's so simple the way you guys do your 4Q program. I was blown away in the hour that it took um, uh, DP to go over this stuff with me. I was like, why have I not known this before? Like, this would be so much easier. And I'm already applying it into my programming. Right. Um, and it's just so simple. But I love the tagline you guys have at IOM, Institute of Motion. I will call it IOM. Yeah, um, IOM. <laughs> you guys are building unbreakable humans. Building right. unbreakable humans. Explain to us what that means. Well, Jenny, I mean, first of all, if, if we're really being honest with each other, you know, it's it's impossible to be truly unbreakable. But the idea of aspirationally being unbreakable tends to pervade itself over the lifespan of an individual, right? So if we're thinking about, you know, being bigger, stronger, faster, or going beast mode, or any of these kind of <laughs> these superlatives that we put to fitness, yeah, that's good for the young 20-something-year-old. But, you know, less so if we're 50, 60, or 70, or 80 years old, because beast mode, maybe not you know, that relevant for us. But the idea of being unbreakable, Jenny, is, is something that we've seen as something aspirational across the lifespan. Because for a young person, unbreakable might be bigger, stronger, faster. It might be some athletic pursuit. It might be going to the gym and giving their all. However, for an older individual who's retired later stages of their life, unbreakable for them may, may mean, you know, decreased risks of falls. It may be living an independent life. And so we frame that idea up both aspirationally, but also in taking a look at how we intervene with these ideas, these, these logic models that you mentioned before, 4Q and others, so that we could actually appropriately coach or guide an individual's experience, health experience, yeah. through their, their lifespan. So putting health span on their lifespan. And, you know, the, the way that we do that aspirationally is we, you know, we say unbreakable. That's awesome. Now, I, I'm amazed the fact that you weren't really an athlete growing up because um, looking at all that you've achieved, yeah, like yeah. it's so foundational and it's so important in athletics. Yeah. And we do apply it with a lot of athletics. Jenny, you would have been the bane of my existence because you're, <laughs> you're an athlete, right? And I yes. would have looked at you in, in, if we were contemporaries in school, right? Yeah. I would have looked at you and thought, oh, I wish I was like her. <laughs> you know, that, honestly, it, you know, it was my brother must have stole all the athletic genes. But, you know, we've been fortunate. I've been very fortunate that, you know, I've been surrounded by amazing folks uh, that have their heads and hearts in the right place. But you're quite right. I mean, we've made pretty good inroads into fitness, uh, healthcare, and um, we'll talk about that a little bit, and then performance as well, particularly through the product of Viper and Viper Pro, which is the new design. Uh, NBA, NFL, you know, the, the elite sports, which trickle down into, you know, college and, and high school sports, there is, you know, we've been very blessed, very, very blessed. Absolutely. So speaking of Viper, I actually wanted to take a quick detour if we can and talk sure. about that product. Sure. I was first introduced to that product when I worked for Lifetime Fitness. Yeah. They have them in all of their facilities. And I remember looking at them being like, what is this? And yeah. then when you look on YouTube or you learn more about how to use them, phenomenal fitness product. Even if you're not an athlete, it's just a good fitness product. How did everything that you learned along the way as you're starting IOM and you're creating this Viper product, what went into creating Viper and where did that idea come from? Yeah, being Canadian, uh, we we were we dealt with a lot of athletes, and and for for the most part, Canadian athletes, a lot of hockey players, right? Yeah. <laughs> so as in when we we deal with these young men and women uh, in their sport, we actually started to see anecdotally. It started with anecdotal kind of experience and evidence, and we looked at these rural farm kids, right? These men and women, or boys and girls, that grew up on the farm. And they were really, Jenny, tough as nails 
when it came to battling situations. Now, of course, hockey is a lot of battling situations, a lot of, a lot of contact, a lot of what we call strength on the puck, which is, you know, you have the puck, I'm trying to get you off the puck and I'm trying to push you mm-hmm. and you can sustain and kind of ward me and defend me and, and fend me off. That would be your ability to have strength on the puck. And it really is a lot of movement strength, right? It's whole body in nature, it's task specific. So imagine if you and I are in Canada and we're, we're looking at this and we're training our young men and women in the gym, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I do not want to, you know, lay claim to the fact that it's less than. It's awesome. So we would do all these amazing things in the gym. And with doing all these amazing uh, things in the gym, we're setting a foundation. And yet there's some things that are missing, right? Because when, when our athletes, let's say you and I, our athletes went into sport, they were kind of being out-battled, out-wrestled, if you will, by these farm kids. And yeah. so we saw that kind of for the span of a few years. And we started to ask ourselves, well, what are they doing on the farm that we're perhaps missing a little bit of dosage in the gym? And so that was the thought process. And so through a course of discovery and you know this, this iteration in the gym, this, this rubber tube essentially is the answer to that, which if someone says, what the heck is that thing? I would say, well, you know, Jenny, if, if you had a farm kid and they wrestled the city kid, where's your money? And most of the answers would be, it's the farm kid. Yeah. And then I would say, right. So a Viper or the new design of Viper Pro is like a bale of hay in the gym without the mess. And a lot of people go, oh, I kind of get it. And what that means is, you know, when you're bailing hay, not that we all do that much anymore, but in years past, you know, it's a full body thing where it's task specific and we're using our bodies to generate strength in odd positions, in uncommon patterns for functional outcomes. And that's really what the, the tool Viper and Viper Pro really add. You know, they're, they're not designed to replace anything in the gym. You know, we've got some amazing tools in the gym. What it does do though, is it authenticates the, the nature of how we interact with load when we're doing chores outside in life. And to be frank, the body's kind of crafted that design over thousands of years. Absolutely. Yeah. So that the term you just used, odd position strength, yeah. huge. And you guys talk about that a lot, a lot in the Institute of Motion um, right. content. Uh, I had never thought about it that way. It's not that I'd never thought about the idea, but I'd never thought about training it. And I train volleyball players. So everything, imagine a volleyball passer, everything we do is outside of our body, right? Where our arms are fully extended and you're contacting the ball in your forearms. Same thing when you're contacting the ball to, to hit it or to set it, everything's away from your body. How strong are your joints and your muscles to support that movement? away from your body, right? Versus a bench press, everything's kind of in tight, right? So it makes perfect sense. You're saying, Jenny, you're saying it better than I am uh, because you're, you're entirely right. You know, the, the idea of going long under load, mm-hmm. sometimes asymmetrically, or let's say most of the time, most of the time, yeah, uh, is the nature of life. And it's nature of most sport, not all of them, but most of them. And so, you know, I think what we look at is dosage, right? It's, it's how you get better is you expose, it's through exposure in the right dosage, in the right way to progress so that the body can super compensate, which means gets better. And, you know, that's the nature of how we include some of the, not only our product, but some of the modalities of training uh, so that it meets the demand for athletes. And in this case, we're talking about, but also general folk, you know, they want to become unbreakable. Great. So, you know, become unbreakable by exposing your body to a variety of different challenges so that you have a wide ability, wide you know, spectrum of ability that makes you more unbreakable. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And if you think about it too, general population, not even talking about athletes now, some of the most common injuries that they have, unfortunately, stepping off and onto curbs, yeah. see it all the time. It's super weird, but it happens all the time. Stepping in and out of the shower, right? It's in those odd positions or they go to bend down to get something and they rotate at the same time in that transverse plane. And then they tweak something. Yeah. I, I mean, 100%. It's the simplest things when people always get hurt. I don't know if you've ever done this with people. When somebody's get hurt, you're like, oh, are you okay? What happened? And they're like, oh, I, I was bent down to pick up a pen and I tweaked my shoulder. Yeah. It's never, I got in a fight with a honey badger. Like it's never anything <laughs> fun. <laughs> no, it's so true. And, and that's, you know, as coaches, we don't want that for folks, right? None of mm-hmm. us. And so, you know, you're right. Stepping off a curve that I did not realize was there. Yeah. And so there's a critical delay in terms of our motor control. And then we fall into a valgusing stress of the knee, and then we tweak our ACL. And that happens, well, you know, what's the stat? Three million non-contact ACL injuries yes. per year. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that doesn't bode well. You know, that, that's not really preparedness for a human body. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you're really, you know, you're so true when you talk about this idea of let's prepare ourselves for the demands of life and sport. And, you know, let's enjoy that facet of experience, whatever it may be for us. If it's just playing with our kids, great. If it's elite sport, great. Uh, And if it's something different, that's also fantastic. And so part of that idea is, you know, the functional resiliency training that we believe should be included or at least considered in every, every protocol. And that sits right beside all these other excellent tools and modalities that we already have in the gym. And I just want to, you know, make sure we're clear on that to give respect to what we're currently doing in the gym. Cause it's fantastic. Yeah. Supplement, not replacement for sure. Yeah, exactly. But for those of you guys out there listening that have not heard of the Viper, look it up. Big V, little I, big P, big R Viper. Um, check them out. Um, definitely look up some of the videos of the things that you can do with these tools. Cause that's the key is how you use them, right? Not just to have it and let it sit over in the corner, collecting dust, you use right. it. Um, so lots of great information out there on the, the Viper tools. Um, now, as far as Institute of Motion, you guys have six themes to help make that unbreakable human. So I'll name them off, but I want you to talk to me about them. You have activation, mm-hmm. mobility, cardio, strength, power, and regeneration. Yeah. So to a lot of experienced trainers, some of those might be familiar, yeah. um, like cardio strength, power, cool. But activation, mobility, regeneration, these are often overlooked. Talk to me about how these work together to create an unbreakable human. Awesome. So when we're looking at you know the, 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 the mechanical type loading of a program, so we're not talking about, let's say, metabolic training or you know recovery training or any of these things. But let's say we're going in and, and you're training me today, Jenny, and you're taking me into the gym and you're going to apply some mechanical stress to me. One of the ways that you can actually do that is to go through a series of kind of in your mind decisions. The first, and we'll call them a decision tree, right? So the first decision would be, you know, Michelle, is today a workout or a work in for you? Mm-hmm. And if we're just thinking strictly mechanical loading for a second, a workout would be, you know, we're going to take you through a warm up, uh, a, you know, a workout and a cool down. And then the work in would be more of a building kind of a capacity not really sweating that much, but maybe some joint strengthening, maybe some mobility work, just to build some uh, physiological basis of our abilities, right? So we'll call that a mechanical work in day. So imagine if that was your first decision, right? And so let's say we'd travel down the workout route. Well, that would be the warm up, the workout, and the cool down. So part of the warm up would be 
considerations into activation and mobility, right? Mm -hmm. So that would, let's say, part of your warm up. So activation, mobility. Activation means, you know, can I just get the system ready? So we've got a four step process in activation. And, and real simple, it's can I get the fluids right? Right. And we can use vibration, we can use compression, we can use a sauna, we can use a hot shower, anything that's going to move fluid around. And that fluid would be water, blood, lymph, and the interstitial fluid. So, you know, there's vibration guns out there and there's compression wrapping out there and there's all these different protocols. There's bike, you know, just get on a bike and ride it for five minutes. Great. That's mm -hmm. going to move fluid around. So that's the first consideration within activation, right? Is let's get the tissue conditions set up right by virtue of the fluids. Once we do that, you know, let's get these, these what we call small motor units, right? Type one motor units. Let's get them firing. Why? because they are more tonic, they're more supportive, they're more mm -hmm. stabilizing in nature. So as part of the activation, let's get them woken up, so to speak, and that let's get them contributing and you know, kind of firing in a way that's setting up the warm-up so that our stability mechanisms of our body are getting prepared. So that's kind of the second step of activation. Then we go to excitation, which is just trying to rev the nervous system up a little bit more. And then stimulation, which is all just feeding the body with uh, sensory information through the eyes, through the ears, or through the proprioceptors. So there's a bunch of different exercises or protocols that we would do to activate. And so that would be kind of the first step. And then along with our mobility protocols, right, which is range of motion, we can do that loaded or unloaded. And that could be static stretching, that could be PNF, that could be loaded mobility training, which is actually setting up the nervous system for an extended joint range of motion. So if, if you took me through those two things, activation in the steps that I that briefly discussed, and mobility, if you did it right, which Jenny, you would, right? Uh, <laughs> then what I would do is I would most likely say, man, I, I feel like I'm ready to actually move. I'm ready to load. I'm ready for mechanical stress in the workout portion yeah. of my day. And so that, you know, the two activation mobility are there to set up the conditions of the nerves, the fluids, the muscles and the joints. And then mobility is extending or let's say owning our ranges of motion that we're going to utilize that day. Yeah. You go so, from general to specific for your warm up. Right. Now, how long would this take? Cause I think most people hear this. Like when I first heard it, I was like, goodness, this is going to be a two and a half hour workout. I don't have time for that. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be that long. How long could this potentially take? Yeah. If, if, if a person's, you know, used to it, right. Which is they're familiar with it. it five, six minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, because they'll, they'll gun certain areas as an example, or go for a little bit of a, you know, bike ride for two minutes. And then they would do a couple of different, what we call small motor unit recruitment drills, which is your type one motor units. And then they do some excitation, then 30 seconds of stimulation. And then, you know, Good they're in the session. Now, yeah. what's interesting about that, by the way, is we've taken a lot of folks through this and we, we do it deliberately. So instead of five minutes, we teach it, right? So it could be like 15 minutes, Sure. but they go through the protocols for about five minutes in and amongst us discussing this. And this is, you know, a lot of fitness professionals and even a lot of elite athletes too, and S and C coaches. And we're always, I'm always kind of pleased and I kind of chuckle inside because going through these protocols, they really feel prepared and they feel compelled to express it in an enthusiastic way. Like, man, I'm ready to go. Yeah. But what's interesting about that is more times than not, Jenny, they actually throw a swear word in there like that. <laughs> they, they, they throw an expletive in there, like an F bomb. Yeah. And, and 
they I think they do that because they're they're I, themselves they're shocked surprised yeah but they're like I am effing ready to go like and they they feel compelled to throw that swear word in there but to me what it does is it, it tells me that they're surprised that that they're ready to go that much and they feel like man I can run 110% right now and that's really useful because that is great because that's fully preparing an individual for whatever they're going to do so that would be the warm up the the workout portion would be consideration around cardio strength and power. So cardio is obviously this idea of energy system utility, right? So mm -hmm. am I using, you know, short duration, explosive bouts of, of, of carbohydrate, right? Which is that quick like glycolysis pathway. Am I using more aerobic means, which is your citric acid cycling, which is, you know, you're using other fuel sources like fats or proteins. Mm -hmm. um, so that's cardio. Uh, and strength, we actually subdivide, and, and Jenny, you talked about this before, we subdivide strength into six definitions. Now, you might say, wow, that's a lot, of, a lot of definitions for strength. But if we think about strength as our body's ability to produce a force, mm -hmm. then we can do that in a variety of different ways. So if I just say strength endurance, that would be the body's ability to produce a force over and over again with not getting tired, right? So the idea of a you know, running up a hill and, and you know, navigating a, a you know, let's say an obstacle course race or, yeah. you know, just a, a race in general, endurance race, or for a hockey player, they got to stay in a deep knee position for um, a minute while someone's trying to push them over and to hold a static wall sit without the wall behind you and, yeah. you know, trying to forcefully create first, second, or third step quickness. And someone's kind of wrestling you the whole time. That's real tough on the legs because you're in an isometric contraction the whole time right? Yeah. Or most of the time. And so you're trying to maintain that deep knee position. So that would be one example, like strength endurance. That's a different way to produce force. Uh, another one is explosive strength. Another one is what we call starting strength or dead yep. strength, which is overcoming a body's resting inertia. That could be yep. our mass, or that could be an external mass that we're trying to, you know, like a barbell, yeah. trying to lift it off the ground. And that is a dead lift. That's part of starting strength. And that's, you know, we're watching the Olympics right now and all those runners out of the blocks, they're going from a resting mass mm -hmm. and they're trying to exert force on that resting mass to change that body at rest to create a velocity in that body, which is their own body. That's starting strength, which is mostly concentric. Um, and then there's, you know, maximal strength, there's odd position strength, nope. there's agile strength, which is all about creating and harnessing and redirecting momentum, Changing like actually using yep. momentum Yeah. instead of dampening it. Cause you're cheating. It's like, <laughs> no, no, no. We want to actually create and harness and, and use momentum and redirect it because that's what athletics is. I mean, I just yeah. watched the shot put last night where two American, the men won gold and, and silver amazing, but you know, how do they approach that push? They spin around two and a half times, I believe, and they use all that momentum and they harness it to try to push the shot or shot the put or, or you know, yeah, right. is it a put or a shot? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, these men, amazing, you know, they throw wow. it and how many meters was it? It was incredible, right? 47 feet or something. And it was incredible. Yeah. And so using momentum is to their advantage. I mean, they, they're not just going to mm -hmm. sit static and just try to, you know, uh, you know, push it from their chest away. Uh, they're going to use momentum to harness that. And you see that in athletics and, and real life expression emotion all the time. Yeah. So that is agile strength. So what we do is we carve these things out and say, all right, there's six different definitions. You know, what, what are you going to do today? 
right? What, what's, what's part of your protocol? And so you begin to carve that out and it informs how you're doing strength training uh, in maybe some different ways, like odd position or starting strength or, or agile strength, which is battling ropes or, or kettlebell swings or you know, some of the stuff that we might do with, with the Viper Pro, which is all momentum-based, right? Mm-hmm. So that would be strength. And so we've got you know, a whole section on strength. And then power, you know, we make a case for power for everybody. Even, even if I'm older adult, you know, obviously it's not going to look like the training is not going to look like someone in their twenties, most likely, you know, it's going to be a lot of regressed, uh, exercises, a lot of safe environments, but the idea of strength expressed, and that's power strength expressed, which is forced through distance over time. The idea of actually the expression of strength, which is power. Every one of us needs, even if I'm 87 and you're training me, give me strength, give me power but do it in a, in an environment that's super safe, even if it's in water, like, you know, Michelle squat mm-hmm. down now explode out. And if you fall, then you're falling in water, no big deal. Right. But the explosion for me may not necessarily be that fast, but it's the intent of trying to move quickly. That's training the nervous system and training the muscular system, uh, to produce force, uh, you know, at, at a certain rate, right. The rate of force production, which is power. Yeah. And so that kind of makes up the workout component. And then regeneration is the kind of the cool down. So we go through these different patterns of joint motions and breathing patterns to restore and normalize physiological tone, right? So if you look at the ANS, the autonomic nervous system, and we've got two divisions, we've got a parasympathetic and a sympathetic. What we want to do is reconstitute the parasympathetic tone of the individual so that at the end of the workout, you know, their physiology is kind of you know, it's, it's revved up during the workout. Now it's kind of back down to baseline and they're ready to cruise off and, and, and continue their day. And so that's, you know, the idea of a workout. the work in is more, Hey, let's, instead of five minutes, like you talked about before, how, how long does that warm up take? Uh, well, in a workout, it's about five minutes, but if I wanted to do a work in, and I wanted to say, let's increase the volume and the rep count and the set counts for the activation and mobility, and maybe the regeneration and instead of five minutes, let's expand that out to a 35 or 40 minute session. Now, the entire time I'm working on joint range of motion, I'm working on tissue care, I'm working on fluid dynamics, I'm working on small motor unit stabilization. And then I leave the gym, let's say, right? And I did that for 40 minutes. I'm not really sweating. It was yeah. never intended to be a workout, but I leave and I feel unbreakable. And that's the distinction that we want to really push. Like it's okay to go to the gym and do a work in. It's okay to invest in joint care and yeah. the tissues and kind of almost this preparatory work that you're doing in your work in day. That's all setting yourself up for a body that can thrive for a lifetime. Because I do this and everybody looks at me who doesn't know me in the gym, probably thinks this guy's just, you know, kind of taking a, taking a day off today, just, you know, yeah. phoning it in today. And they're not really working out that much. And it's like, no, I'm not working out at all. I'm actually investing in these aspects of my movement yeah. that are going to be really critical to my success over, over my years of, of living. And <clears throat> when I leave, you know, I'm not really sweating at all. And maybe a little glisten, maybe. And I leave the gym and Jenny, I feel like a million dollars. I feel unbreakable. Yeah. You're like programming so, in your recovery, essentially. <clears throat> you're programming in recovery and even mechanically, like we can recover in other ways, right? Mm-hmm. Talk about, but this is the mechanical bucket, right? So even mechanically, you know, I'm recovering and I'm doing, you know, things like Eldoas or FRC or all these techniques that are out there by 
by these, these individuals that have really crafted some unique and amazing things, we bring in and we say, let that be part of a work in session so that you're just bulletproofing the body. It is time for another ISSA rapid review. And this one coming from Jonathan in sunny California, who took our corrective exercise certification. Jonathan says, great certification to get, especially if you're working in the fitness and healthcare industry. Thank you, Jonathan. So I love everything about what you just said. And to our point, talking about the warm-up, it doesn't have to take forever to train all of these things, but you have to consider them. So as somebody who talks to new uh, CPT students all the time, or people who are studying, just getting started, and you see the big picture of programming, when you actually think about, for example, the six aspects of strength, oh my gosh, it's overwhelming to think about the fact that there are six different things to train. But if you're training, whether it's an athlete or an average person, you have to train each of those aspects. Right. And the way that you train each of those aspects is slightly different because right. um, you can't just go and just lift weights and say, I'm just going to make this as heavy as possible. And so many people just rely on that acute training variable of load, That's just right. load. And there's so much more that you have to train in order to train the neural aspect, your yeah. nervous system, to train your type one muscle fibers, to train those type two in the way that makes sense for what you're training for, right? It has to be applicable to your sport or to whatever activities you do. Um, to your point about power training with older people, absolutely. Um, like, you don't want to, like, what if you have to move out of the way quickly, <laughs> right? And it's kind of, it goes back to the fitness principles, use it or lose it. If you don't use your nervous system and train it to be explosive and to recruit muscles and do it properly over your lifetime, to your point, like, it's going to go away, and my dad has MS. That's a neural, de neural like dis degenerative disorder. Once it's gone, it does not come back. All you can do is slow it, right? So this makes perfect sense to me. So I encourage you guys, if you're new out there and you're listening, and this is a lot of information, go learn more. Institute of Motion takes you through all of this content um, and helps you understand how to apply it more importantly, not just to know it, how do you use it? Mm -hmm. So phenomenal content. Um, but Michelle, I have a question for you. So a lot of people use the term fit and healthy in the same sentence or interchangeably, right. not the same thing. Right. How would you explain fit or healthy and how can we find a balance between the two? Yeah, that, what, sort of, what, what a great question. So, you know, we've always, let me, let me start off by maybe kind of leaning into that discussion by suggesting that we probably, most of us know an individual that was bigger, stronger, faster in their 20s and 30s yes. and now broken at 40. Right? <laughs> yes, Dan, your buddy Dan. <laughs> He's better now, but he Dan, had yeah, that's right. Um, But we, we all know of that person. That person may be looking back at us at the mirror every morning when we, when we wake up, right? So uh, there's always that aspect. And when we look at elite sport, you know, the, we that even becomes more stark, right? So we always mm -hmm. know, like take the endurance athlete, right? So the endurance athlete, they, they train so much, they're incredibly fit, right? World-class fit. And in some cases, depending on the gender, you know, it exhibits, you know, these, these physiological, um, uh, the per, these kind of perturbations, like they, they start to change their physiology. And for women, you know, they may become amenorrheic, which means, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't, haven't had their period in, in, you know, three months or more. 
Uh, for men, it's this idea of chronically overreaching, which is now overtraining, mm-hmm. and that leads to adrenal fatigue and then these other kind of cascade of different hormonal imbalances that occur. So we can look at that and say, yeah, right, that afflicts the the the, the very ultra fit individuals, and it may not necessarily be sustainable. So that's kind of one thing that fit doesn't not necessarily equal healthy. And what I mean by healthy is sustainable. And we can see that evidenced in the bigger, stronger, faster at one point and now broken at. And and so we go down that course. I want to also flag a broader idea of health, Jenny, is and and it's particularly germane right now because of the pandemic and what that's forced us to take a look at. So as a company, IOM, we are an applied health and human performance company, mm-hmm. which means that we can look at all the strength things and the, the, you know, all the power things and all the geeky things as it relates to training, which is awesome. I love it. We can also take a look at what we call the, are the determinants of health. So mo- much more broadly, what are the determinants of health? And there's societal determinants of health. Uh, and there's also individual determinants of health. And the individual determinants of health are physical, uh, in one area, mental, emotional in the other area, and socioeconomic in the third area. There are others, but those are the three main ones, right? Yeah. So if we look at it broadly like that, in that context, we'd say, all right, physical is what I eat, how I stress the body through exercise or activity, and how I recover. That's mm-hmm. in the physical bucket. In the mental, emotional bucket, it's thoughts, feelings, and actions, right? What are my thoughts? How do I feel about that? And what are my ensuing actions and habits and lifestyle uh, you know, kind of navigations that I engage in uh, based on those things. So that would be the triad of thoughts, feelings, and actions that is mental, emotional. And then the social economic, let's just take the social part of it. You know, because of COVID, Jenny, you know, that this idea of shelter in place and socially distance, 18 months ago, you and I had never heard of that before. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. even a term that we had heard of. And now it's just our reality. And so this idea of social has, has taken a, you know, a little bit of a, a left turn and, and, a lot of people are suffering because of socially distanced ideas. Like they, we, we are communal. We, we, we have fellowship. There is tribes, tribesmanship or tribespersonship in terms of our interactions as human beings. Uh, and so we need that. And we also need time of reflection and meditation and thought, which is, you know, more of a soul kind of I'm in with myself pursuit. And mm-hmm. we need that balance across the spectrum. Absolutely. So if we look at that, that, that as being the determinants of health, Jenny, then we say a person can be fit and not healthy. Yeah. That could mean physical, like I'm overtraining and I'm super fit, but I'm not healthy. And we're just talking physical. Mm-hmm. But if I contextualize health as physical, mental, emotional, and social, right? And then there's a societal determinant you know, of health, which is, you know, where do I live? Quality of air, quality yeah. of water, education, you know, crime, all those social determinants of health. That's also riding shotgun with me in terms of my, but all those things like now, can a person be fit and not, not healthy? Sure. If I'm yeah. super fit, but going through crisis alone, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, not having the right triad of mental, emotional uh, in terms of my thoughts, feelings, and actions that are not serving me, right? And I'm suffering alone, maybe because of the pandemic, right? And I've got a, you know, nervousness because, you know, there's a sick family member or whatever. That context, and I, I want to I make that very clear, that context is also health. And so I can be fit and not necessarily healthy. And if we want to look at health, it's through the lens of physicality, what I eat, how I recover, how I stress, no doubt. But it's also these other things. 
And Absolutely. if individuals want to future proof themselves as fitness, wellness, and health professionals, we're leaning into this. We ought to lean into this so that we can better serve ourselves and others as we give service to others, as we guide them as coaches. And, you know, I just wanted to frame those two things up because they're really super critical in terms of our assessment of the physicalness of things like overtraining, uh, but also the other aspects that determine our health uh, across our lifespan. Absolutely. That's a great view of health. I've never really thought about it. Like, of course, I've thought about it that way, but I've never broken it up into those buckets. Right. Yeah. And as you were talking, I was like, oh, people could have holes in a lot of these spots. And it reminds yeah. me of Swiss cheese. Like some cheese has some Swiss cheese has bigger holes than others. And you want those holes to be as small as possible. Try and be more like cheddar cheese, right? A little bit yeah. more solid. <laughs> but what a what actually what a great analogy, Jenny, because when we're thinking about this, that's IOM. What we do is we're an applied company, right? So we apply health and human performance. Mm -hmm. uh, but what we look at is what we, we, we try to develop logic models and a logic model is 4Q. You know, the yeah. listeners may not 100%. know what 4Q is, but Jenny, you do. And so 4Q is a logic model. We've got one for mechanical loading. We've got one for recovery. We've got one for metabolic stress. And, you know, what I just took you through is the individual determinants of health is a logic model. And so what it does is it starts to simplify what you said earlier, which is, wow, you know, there are six different definitions of strength and I got power. That seems kind of complicated. What we try to do is simplify it with logic models, right? And these logic models are simple. They're really simple to use. I mean, we yeah. took you through 4Q in probably five minutes mm -hmm. and you're like, I yeah. got it. Yep. And what we try to do is use these logic models to inform good decisions around health and human performance. Right. Because if you're just wanting a health outcome, like I just want to live a good life and, and the best of my ability. Awesome. Good for you. And, you know, we want that for you. If someone has a performance outcome, whether it's elite sport or recreational sport, I just want to be, you know, a, a beast mode dad with my kids yeah. uh, or a beast mode mom with my kids. Great. You know, good on you. And e even if it's an aesthetic pursuit, like I just want to look good. Great. I, I'm yeah, not I'm here bodybuilder. I get it. <laughs> but, you know, but as a good coach, we'd say, I'm not here to judge that. Yeah. I, if you want that, I want that as, as long as you want that. It's like, yeah. we've actually used the analogy of, you know, even um, something as like CrossFit, right. Which is tends to have a, a very polarizing view. You either love it or hate it. Yeah. Imagine if I came to you and I said, you know, I really want to do CrossFit. And you looked at me and you're like, there's no way this guy can do CrossFit. He's moving terribly. And he's, He's going to hurt himself. It's going to be awful experience for him. But if you, as a coach, you might say, well, why do you want CrossFit? And I might say to you, you know, Jenny, I just had a, I just had a son. I, I didn't, I'm just making this story up. But yeah. let's say I said, I just had a son and all my life I've been chubby and all my life, I really haven't had a good capacity to move. And I look at these athletes that are on the CrossFit games, Jenny, have you ever seen the CrossFit games? And you're like, yeah, I've seen that yeah. before. And, you know, I look at these individuals, men and women, and it's, it's, it's inspiring because I want to be that. And I want to be that for my son. Immediately as a coach, you know, that I don't necessarily want CrossFit. What I value is what I want to give to my son as an embodiment of representation of health or capacity yeah. or ability. And so as a coach, you might say, what's your son's name? Because what you want to do is acknowledge what is important to me. And if Which I said, you know, son. my son's name's Jack, and you'd be like, God, you have a picture of Jack? I want to see him. Because what you're doing is you're validating what is most important to me. And then if you said to me, all right, um, you know, Jack, what a, wow, tell me a little bit about him. So, you know, he's born, you know, two months ago, it's great. 
you know, Michelle, I think I really understand what you want. And I want that for you too. And I've, you know, helped other people attain your goal. Let's go for that. Let's do that. Let's get you in a position where you can do that. And if you did that to me, if you started me with bird dogs or some other protocols that look nothing like CrossFit, I would buy in hook, line, and sinker because you heard me, you acknowledged me, and you acknowledged what was important to me. And I'm willing, I'm willing now to follow you because you're saying everything we're doing, Michelle, is going to take you towards that goal. Now, we may take a lot more time to prep you, but that's the direction you're going. And mm-hmm. everything that we're going to do is going to get you towards there. That's good coaching. That's awesome. Right. And, that's, and so, that's, that's so funny that you use that example because I totally have looked at the CrossFit games probably five or six years ago. <laughs> and as a six foot tall girl, I was yeah. like, I want to do that. Yeah. And I thought about it. I was like, what do I really want out of this? I was like, I want to be a badass athlete is what I want to go. Um, so that's what I train for. Yeah. It's not that I want to do CrossFit. Nothing yeah. wrong with it, but that's yeah. not for me, <laughs> right? But you're absolutely right. You have to ask those questions. And what we can do is humanize the experience. And I, I, I will submit to all of us that, you know, that are on this and listening to this is that if we can humanize the experience and really understand what a person wants at a certain level and then articulate it back to them, that's how you get a person to follow, right? To buy in. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, you know, that's the element of coaching, I think, that, that I've seen so many times in our industry that is just so done so wonderfully well. And I just want to give, you know, acknowledgement to that, you know, the desire to want to help folks and that to lead folks in a care, in a caring way. Incredible. Absolutely. So if people want to learn more about like the 4Q model and IOM specifically, I highly encourage it. You guys 100% would recommend 10 out of 10. How can they get a hold of IOM or you, Michelle? Yeah. So I think, you know, the easiest ones are kind of, you know, obviously the websites and the social media handles, but so if they log on to instituteofmotion.com or viper, V-I-P-R.com, these are great resources to kind of really get a sense of how we approach things. Sure. Uh, and then, you know, within that, you can start to see our mod- logic models, et cetera. And then our social media handles would be the same, right? So Viper Pro, V-I-P-R Pro on Facebook and Instagram, and then Institute of Motion on, uh, on Instagram and Facebook are great ways to actually see more of the solutions, right? Here's what yeah, we do. See and, it in action. You know, I see it in action. Exactly. And so those would be, you know, great ways for folks to kind of inter- interact with us and, uh, we'd, we'd love it. And if you just, you know, peered over and saw what we did and comment to it and, and, uh, just connected with us that we would be very appreciative and, and we would love that. So those are, those are great ways to get, get a hold of us. Absolutely. Perfect. So you guys heard it first. I know for a fact that we have a lot of newer trainers out there that listen to our podcast. Guys, there's a lot of information out there. So if you heard stuff that you're interested in today, go back, listen to this podcast again, listen to it over and over again, and then go learn more. Um, Because there's so much to know about programming and these guys break it down in such an easy to understand way. It's going to blow your mind, just like it did for me, somebody who's been in this industry for 12 years now. Um, So thank you so much, Michelle, for being with us. I have a feeling we're going to have you back to talk some more. (laughs) Danny, this is fun. This is a real pleasure. And it's good to get to know you more and more. So I appreciate every opportunity uh, for yourself, you know, Colleen behind the scenes and the team behind the scenes. Thanks to them as well. But it's always a real pleasure to to talk to you. So I, I look forward to more. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Michelle. And to all of our listeners out there, make good choices. We'll be talking to you soon. There's a lot of exciting stuff happening here at ISSA. As Dan and I share fun conversations about spreading health and wellness, 
We have an amazing sales team behind the scenes working day in and day out to connect with you as you pursue your career in health and fitness. We're growing this dynamic sales team, and I invite you to consider a career here at ISSA. These are full-time opportunities offering lucrative pay and incentives and great benefits including health insurance, 401k, paid time off, exclusive discounts on fitness products, and free certifications. Are you in? Then email nowhiring at issaonline.com today, and a member of our recruiting team will contact you with details. Transform your career and transform lives at ISSA.